Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Movie Mavericks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Movie Mavericks. Speaking of fucking long, uncut European cocks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Now for your hosts, Jason and Trevor. I can't wait. Hey now, everybody, welcome to episode 326 of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm Trevor Anderson, send you over to Jason Rugard. He's got a rundown for us. All right, on tonight's show, we'll be discussing seven films, relatively new, catching up on a couple old ones, and we're talking about trailers for three upcoming blockbuster releases, Maze Runner, Tomb Raider, and Wes Anderson's latest. First, though, a little bit of trivia. I know that it's fairly common knowledge that Michael Madsen was... The first choice for John Travolta's role in Pulp Fiction. You know this, of course, right? That Tarantino had written that for Madison. Yes, and I think we've had, we've talked about that before maybe on this show. I think so, yeah. Think Do you so. know who he wrote the role of Jules for originally, though? I just found this out in a Q&A that Tarantino did. I don't know if this no. is common knowledge or not. Um, fairly interesting. He wrote this specifically for Lawrence Fishburne, or as I call him, Larry oh. Fishburne. Remember when he was Larry? Back in the day when it was cool to call him Larry. Like I think I saw this day. too, yeah. Deep cover, yeah. So he talked about saying that he wrote it originally for Lawrence Fishburne, who wanted to accept the role, but apparently Lawrence Fishburne had just hired a team of new uh, kind of behind-the-scenes people that were going to steer him into being a quote-unquote star or a headliner, especially after the heat he was getting from What's All Got to Do With It, which mm-hmm. is a fantastic performance, um, and Deep Cover and things like that, and they were pushing him to that. Ultimately... You know, he gets his matrix, as Tarantino says it, but he lost out on the role. And and Fishburne did want to do it, but he had paid these guys all this money. So I guess he listened to his advisors and they, you know, advise him straight into doing things like fled and, and things like that. And it's such a missed opportunity because um, Fishburne would have been good in that role, too. He'd been real good in that role, I think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Pulp Fiction ultimately really didn't have much value to anyone in the long run. So I don't know, but. Yeah, I just think it's kind of crazy saying Jules isn't a main role. You know, he's a side character when the movie begins and ends on him. I mean, he and he goes through a huge uh, transformation. That's that's one of the, the role, as far as I, I know. It was a best supporting actor nomination for Samuel uh-huh. Jackson, but I, I always thought that was bullshit that they pushed Travolta as the best actor and him in the wrong category. Well, it's an ensemble movie, so I, it's hard to say anyone's the. I mean, the movie is really the star, right? And that storyline yeah, and the entanglement of all those characters is what really is a star. So it is an ensemble piece. I, I would agree. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but ultimately he did. And ultimately, Lawrence Fishburne was supposed to play Blade and backed out of that and it went to Wesley Snipes. So that's fine that with fun. me because yeah, I, I mean, don't think that would have been very good. That to me was like, whoa, who thought of that? That's like your agent was pushing real hard for you on that one there, brother. But he is great as Morpheus. So at least he got one thing right. Absolutely. Which is a role that Will Smith passed on for Neo, you know, for the Keanu Reeves part. Which, yeah, and which wouldn't it, have been very good, I don't think. No, so. I know. It's, it's these near misses sometimes that make perfect movies. Uh, let's get into the reviews because we have a couple real good ones for you tonight. Let's talk 
off the bat about it. It's still the number one film in the country, or I'm sorry, it's not any longer. Well, yeah, Kingsman barely beat it out, but good lord. Yeah, there's a three-way tie basically oh, at the box. I keep First hearing year. everyone say it's a must-see, it's a must-see, go see it and everything. Uh, so tell me, you saw it. Is it a must-see? It's a good movie in parts, in spurts. It's kind frustrating of, yeah. because I went with it for the first half an hour and up to the first hour. I really thought it was great filmmaking, but that last hour becomes so routine and flat and disorganized and just redundant in a lot of ways. I didn't think that there was necessarily a jump scare. And this is a long movie. You said it could have been longer. I felt every minute of this 135 minute running time. And for the fact that there wasn't much mood or dread, I felt that the miniseries, I mean, I don't want to do too much comparison to the miniseries in the film because it's not really fair, but at least there was a sense of dread or the town being in on something possibly mm-hmm. or knowing about this. Whereas these kids are running wild there's no real adult involvement here. There's it's it's I know it's a summer kids movie in in a way, but it, to me it's too much like Stand by Me with monsters. And that could be because of the materials like that, but I thought the homage of how the one kid looked like Corey Feldman was a little much. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Like how right. with the glasses and the whole nine. Uh, I I just thought and really the Mike kid. Um, you know, the black kid is it's, it's totally shortchanged in this version. He's the one that gets them all back together later. He, I always thought he was the glue. Well, he'll the be story. the big one in, in the second one, but I agree with you. And I think that for me, I came up with a pretty decent idea to make this movie much better. And that is have Mike Hanlon be narrating it. And at the end of the movie is the beginning of the next movie where he's calling people. You just right. end with him, uh, calling Making Bill, calls. you know, right. and, and boom. And then, you know, cut to black you know and that's a great way to because this movie I, I said it need more length really it only needs more length because it crams too much shit into that two hours um but i want to be clear that the kids are fantastic much. i do like that they're not obnoxious yeah. they have little personalities they're right. extremely the humor works, charismatic right? the humor works but yeah it's almost the humor works too much where it's it's disengaging for me where i thought oh well this is kind of Spielberg territory here and I'm not really going to be it's, scared or it's too haunted. fast. Right. I mean, they don't do enough. They don't give you enough time to breathe and to set things up and stuff, especially with the humor It's kind of injected at times. And it takes away from the scariness of it because the kids don't seem all that afraid of it um, throughout a lot of, of the movie. But that's because I think they're not given enough time to like kind of deal with what's going on, right? I think that there was a fatal flaw in moving this story from the 1950s to the 1980s. And I know they want the second part to be current times. But mm-hmm. it, outside of a cool Batman and Lethal Weapon 2 double bill poster, which you, you pointed out initially, <laughs> which I think is a great touch and a couple other nice production design touches. Although this movie suffers extensively from you know the video store scenario where they go into a store and everything's a Warner Brothers title because it's a Warner Brothers movie. Every poster yes. on the wall, every movie, everything in this is Warner Brothers well, the, owned. But Friday the uh, not Friday, but the Freddy Krueger. Uh, right, when, right. Nightmare on Elm Street was the other uh, was the other thing right. in the theater. Yeah, exactly. So you saw the New Line connection, the whole nine there. So uh, I, I, you know, I thought that was kind of a clever thing. But outside of that, the Henry Bowers character works better as a 1950s greaser. It explains the racism a little bit more. But explains it, the, it's the, not the even any. It's not updated in this, is it? It just doesn't feel. It still feels like they said the 80s, but when you look at the movie, it looks like 50s, 60s. Well, Bill's bike. Doesn't it? I thought. No, I thought they did a good job otherwise with the 1980s. But the small I town. I, mean, I it still, looks like it was still shot on a back feels lot. very 50s. It's, it has that 50s kind of look to it. I don't know. The 80s to me is a little more. 
junky, I guess. There's 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 more shit in the eighties, you know, and and this messier. yeah, it's a little messier, I would think. And this movie's very clean. Well, I would say this so, is a I near miss for me. I I didn't hate the film. In fact, I found the first hour extremely enjoyable. I just got ex- you know it's a letdown, increasingly though. frustrated. But yeah, a big letdown. Especially, it. <laughs> it's it not scary, right? Especially the end when they went into the sewers. Was that just not? Uh, scary at all? That should have been the scariest part. It, it didn't do anything for me. No, it wasn't scary. I mean, when they get right up to Pennywise and he's doing his shtick and stuff and they're fighting him, it just felt like there was no danger. You know, they they couldn't possibly be killed because he just seemed so incapable. Let's move on and talk about another film Currently uh, out there, just hitting the home video market, I think one of the year's best films, superhero film or not, Spider-Man Homecoming. You just caught up with this. What'd you think? Yes. <laughs> I feel a little bad saying this, but I wasn't horribly impressed with this. I don't really understand why this is so loved. To me, it's very basic. It's not. It's almost a one-off. It's very episodic. And they go through the same old tropes, you know, over and over again with these Spider-Man movies. And it's just like, why can't we do something a little interesting? I, I guess I put it like this. This movie is so safe uh, in everything that it does. It just feels very cookie cutter. It feels very constructed and very deliberately out not to do not to accomplish anything you know not, not to, no, I to think try to do the anything it, though it's supposed to be uh innocuous and yeah. harmless and uh and boring then you know to to a to a bit of a degree I, the acting's fantastic um i the kid's a great spider-man although at this point isn't that just uh, who's not a good spider-man I, i'm not sure um Michael Keaton's great in it i love that they finally started they have a storyline in here with the uh with the alien uh, tech and these guys using yeah. bad. They did a short film um, after the first Avengers that dealt with that too, and I thought that's a great idea. I wonder if they'll Which ever use that in the movie. After. So it's... this is the cleanup from that. Remember, uh, you know the the Stark well... Tower. That's how it starts. That no, the opening right. prologue there is all you know directly after Stark Towers is destroyed and they find that alien tech, and that's why I thought it was but so that's clever because they were not playing from the, the first Avengers, right? This is from because uh, this is after Civil War. Oh, you're you're right. You're right. It is. So, but I mean, you're right. There's I thought the prologue the was there, after but... the first Avengers, and then the rest of the story took place after Civil War. Mm, I can't remember. No, because it was well. I don't know. You saw okay. Well, this, let me ask you. You saw the the plot the plot twist coming here. You mean you said it was rudimentarily written? You, you saw it was. Uh... I feared it, and then when it happened, I thought, "Oh shit! Really? Really?" I had no clue. You caught me. Because uh, they what Spider-Man movie do they not do this shit in? It's always like so he's always a guy that's so close to him and then he always finds out and then it's always like it's okay somehow. It's just like that's the Spider-Man deal. They always have reluctant villains, a villain who's not truly a bad guy. I get that, that but I don't want to see it in every movie. It's in every fucking thing. It's just the same uh, thing over and over again. Like you didn't throw me something new. You didn't think the scene where they both realized who each other were in the car. Great scene. That's a that's a killer the scene. The only Any redeeming movie. moment of that whole, but when he answers the door, I just my heart dropped. I was like, "Oh shit, really? They did it." You know, yeah, and the great scene. Like I said, the acting's great. The writing's very good. The movie's good. It's not a bad movie. It's just not a great movie. Everyone's trying to sell me on this as a great movie, and it's just not. It's so you're stacking just there. You're stacking Guardians you know? of the Galaxy above this. 
Oh, for sure. This does not move Spider-Man forward, right? Let's just say that. At the end of the movie, he has to make a choice. And that choice both results in him being Spider-Man. So it's like, it's just such a small, small movie. It just doesn't really move the the narrative forward. You know, it doesn't do anything. I I imagine, I hope that the next movie is that. But I I really think that pulling him into the, the... this this Marvel universe really made Spider-Man less significant. I I would say that he is a, a more minored character. He almost feels like a secondary character in the whole universe, even in this movie. But I, I really like yeah. how innocent he was and how ho hum he was. And mm-hmm. uh, probably my favorite Spider-Man, although they've all been good to a degree so far. But let me ask you about Transformers: The Last Night, a film which I think is the worst of the year, or amongst <laughs> the worst of the year. And I like the other ones. I actually defend. A, I've seen Age of Extinction more times than I should, but Don't you got a chance to one. catch up with this. What, what's going on with Part Five? What do you feel? Age of Extinction is terrible, and so is this. This is easily the worst one of the bunch. Um, out, of, out of all of them, right? With Age of Extinction being a very close second. Um, yeah, I, it's just bad. Like, there's just no rhyme or reason to it it's insane i have to think to some degree that michael bay um ha- understands this to such a degree that he no longer is able to uh to tell you you know these stories because he probably knows what the fuck is going on in this he knows like who people are and shit i don't know the fuck these people are i don't know any of this shit and all this history and stuff blah blah blah. god and the wick wickens it's so fucking terrible I mean, this movie, um, oh, I heard God. that there was a writer's room assembled and that they took two scripts and melded them, the two best ideas. Does it not seem like that? I mean, are characters in plot three? It seems like Michael Bay left? doesn't even care anymore. I mean, to such a huge degree that this movie is just wow. Like, I thought that about the last Transformers movie. He phoned that in. But this is really, really phoned in. He's just not even attempting to try anymore. Which is unfortunate because these are massive undertakings that take so much time out of a director's career. Well, and I'm such a fan them. of the guy. I wish he was doing other things, even other franchises. At this point, move on. There is nothing yeah. else. Even Wahlberg is rendered absolutely useless here. Why is Anthony Hopkins, who has one great sequence in there, I thought, with the robot and like a kind of fun thing where he's walking him through the, the, the castle area and stuff. And then later mm-hmm. he's killed. They don't tell you why he's standing where he's standing, where he takes the the explosion that kills him. It makes – things are happening well, in this movie. he gets shot. I mean – But why he, – I swear Megatron he shoots a, him. I, I thought he just appeared though. Like he, I, where was he earlier in that sequence? Was he, he was right, standing I mean, right there? He was standing there the whole time, right behind the behind Stonehenge. Okay, well maybe you were Remember? at that point. And then he shot Megatron, and then the other people started shooting him, and then so you were, Megatron you were engaged, saw him, and then he shot. You were engaged him. in the storyline with the little girl, the tough little you know twelve year old girl who they shoot like an eighteen year old Victoria's Secret model, <laughs> which made me super uncomfortable to watch. No, I was really upset that that was uh, so terrible because that looked like a, a, it could be potentially a good storyline. Um, I, there's no humanity in this movie, in, in this movie, right? There's just no, there's yeah. no moment where you're, where you connect in any like emotional way or, um, even in a way that this is, Oh, this is so cool. You don't even connect it in, in that sense. Um, so it's just bad all around. I, and utterly so, uh, like, overly complicated and uninvolving is, is kind of oh, how I felt. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about little evil Netflix's premiere film with, uh, what's his face there? Adam Scott. Adam Scott, yep. And Evangeline Lilly. What's going on? Is this a comedy, basically a version of The Omen? Uh, You may be tempted to think that. (laughs) 
Uh, but no, it's not. Um, I don't know how to explain this. It's kind of is. It starts off that way and it really wants you to believe that's what it is. But it, uh, it, it turns into just a straight comedy thing where he's just trying to connect with a kid in some, I don't know how to explain it. It's not a good movie. Uh, it should not be, uh, surprising since it is a Netflix original or deemed as such, but it, it's just, it's not good, man. You know what's it, it's not Netflix funny. Original. It's not scary. These things used to have like uh, kind of a stamp of quality. I felt like when they were first coming out mm-hmm. and now they're throwing things at the wall so frequently. It's not like HBO films, which has this prestige. No, about they're just it. looking for content and trying to yeah. get like, um, what they can. I mean, I do like this director, Eli Craig. He's done, uh, Tucker and Dale versus evil, which is really good. A horror comedy. Uh, if you're interested in seeing something good, but this is not, it is confused as to what it is. Tries to get too cutesy. Um, and really just, I don't know. There's just no value in it. You know, like, uh, it's just a weak, very weak movie. All right. Well, let's talk about American assassin briefly here. This is the film that, it tries to present Dylan O'Brien as the next Tom Cruise, and I gotta be honest, I actually like this kid as that kind of uh, screen hero. Not a bad little movie, but extremely inconsequential. You've seen hmm. all of this done before in different movies in different ways. I kept thinking of the low-key Lupuson films, kind of like Three Days to yeah, Kill. I was gonna ask because it kind of looked like, uh, you know, as far as spy movies like that go, um, is it just like? Kind of low-key, senseless action in, in a sense, and, and not senseless in a good way, but just kind of like stuff's happening on screen, just take up time. No, it, it actually moves fairly well. Hmm. It's extremely well-constructed and, and directed by Michael Cuesta, who did the overlooked and underrated Kill the Messenger, a, a true story about a San Jose Mercury newspaper writer who uncovers a conspiracy and is killed starring Jeremy Renner came out a couple years ago. That's a fantastic mm-hmm. movie. This is Born Identity Light or what you know, one of those kind of things. But I'll tell you this, I actually enjoyed it more than I did the last Jack Reacher film. So as a secondary <laughs> kind of B movie level uh-huh. action hero, I wouldn't mind the guy. The kid I think has charisma. Michael Keaton, you know, it's becoming uh, unnecessary to say how good he is in everything he's doing, but he's really great as the hard ass sniper here, uh, or I'm sorry, the the drill instructor who's trying to teach this guy to be a sniper and a killer and and all these kind of things. But it really is a ripoff of the hunted of these other movies you've seen before, especially if you've watched this genre throughout the years, it's not insultingly bad. It's just not original enough to really recommend it, but I like it. And if you know what you're getting, when you go into it, it's well-made of its type. So Hmm. I guess that's the best way I can describe that. Let's talk about the house real quick. Have you seen the house? I have not. I'm, I'm interested in what you say because the house tanked this summer, right? Yeah, Will pretty, pretty eight, hard. It just recently that Chance the Rapper, I don't know if you follow uh, the rap game still. Are you big into the hip-hop culture there? No. I figure you are. <laughs> no? Surprise me there, sir. <laughs> and uh, this this rapper recently just or, uh, over the weekend tweeted that he had never heard of this movie. It was great and that critics and Rotten Tomatoes didn't know shit and blah, blah, blah. And this is a case where <laughs> I kind of agree with him because this movie was hammered when it came out. It mm-hmm. made no money. It starts off in the first – it's only 90 minutes long, but the first 10 minutes are so bad that I thought this has got to be worst of the year material. It's so painfully staged and unfunny that you just I, – I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But it genuinely 
builds momentum and is produces a few few big laughs and is probably the best gross out scene of the year is contained in this movie it's actually mm. uh, a <laughs> bit of a a bit of a kind of homage to Scorsese's Casino in a lot of ways so I dug that I dig the cast I like the people uh, I'm giving this one a pass I, I recommend this one I, mm. I, when you see it we're gonna visit this again because I, I think that you're gonna fucking hate this movie Really? <laughs> I, I, for whatever reason, I think that you would hate it. But there was a few times. It's not the best work from Farrell and Polar, but it's it's damn it's damn funny in parts. All right, what about Assassin's Creed? Get a minute here for Assassin's Creed. We got a, what? <laughs> got a minute to talk about Assassin's Creed? I guess. All right. We got a little issue about Assassin's Creed. The Michael Fassbender film that came out over the Christmas time period now is hitting HBO Go. That's I watched it last out. week. You watched it last week. You texted me and said, this is, what do you say? This is worse than Timeline? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. It's, <laughs> I'd say no. Timeline is more of a real movie than this. Yes. Oh, well, please. You're going you're gonna to tell me that this is a good movie just because you like the way it looked. Not only because of the way it yeah. looked. Okay, hold on. <laughs> it has a beautiful visual quality to it. I thought the acting was it, way it, above it does this kind of thing. I thought that the story <laughs> for what it, I, I've never played this video right. game a day in my life, so mm. I don't know if this is an original story or not. But the story yeah, that's was. A st I mean, that's how the video game is. I well, don't think this is. It was a compelling enough story that I would not have been opposed to the It's a yeah, stupid I, story. It's a terrible story, man. And the I video like game, it. I still don't think the video game made any sense. This movie, to me, makes even less sense. All they're trying to do is get some stupid fucking Apple thing, right? Some, this is the MacGuffin that they're after. It really has fucking no value to anybody because they don't even do shit with it. Um, they're after that the whole time. The fucking movie is like, you're watching a guy play like a virtual reality video game. That's the fucking movie. It's like, and he's not even doing anything. He's not, it takes forever for them to uncover anything. If they have this technology, why is it so hard for them to figure out where the fucking Apple is? This movie, I'm not saying it stands up to any sort of scrutiny when you think about it. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> but in the moment, it works from moment to moment. It kept it my attention. I think it's head and shoulders I was above bored. Warcraft. Head and shoulders. Yeah, but, uh, but again, I mean, okay, timeline, Warcraft. So this is in a fantastic crowd here, what we're comparing it to, right? I mean, I didn't say it was amongst the aren't we, like, like, What are you trying to prove here? <laughs> I'm just saying that this, as it's far not as video movie. games to film translations go, particularly in recent year, this is one of the better ones. No. <laughs> well, I thought the guy's last product, I mean, Fassbender, this Marion uh, Cotier and yeah. Irons and the director all teamed together with this guy from uh, 2015. They did Macbeth together, which is a really beautiful version as well, which I'm sure got the guy this job because uh, the director of Assassin's Creed. Great movie. Check that out. And now, and now he's screwed. Yeah, I don't know what to go with that because um, I, I, a sequel will never come. So now you have this this movie that most no. likely will just be rebooted in a couple of years anyways. Yeah. Well, no, probably not. Oh, yeah, well, Aeon Flux, it reminded me of that in some ways. That, too. Prince of Persia. I mean, it's pretty much all yeah. the, the shit that's just bad. It, it just falls back on visual style, really, to do it. You know, instead of, it just has these stupid fucking storylines. Because no one, because video games are fucking dumb, you know? Which is fine, because you're playing them. You're not like, 
You're not sitting there passively being told a story. You're living it. I thought it was as visually compelling, but as dumb Mm -hmm. as a movie that was came out years ago. Horror movie came out on a video game called uh, Silent Hill. Do you recall that one? Yeah. Beautiful to look at, overlong, dumb as a box of rocks, but I thought that movie was engaging too. I mean, that movie, I think, was much better than this just because it had that horror aspect to it, which you can get away with not really having a story, you know? But this just it just didn't have a story. I just put I put this in the level of the Resident Evil movies. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh like God, that. not even close. Resident Evil way better than this. All right, well, let's move on to the trailer attic portion of today's show. Trailers can be wondrous things, giving us insight into the unseen movies of the future. But when they're bad, fire photon torpedoes. Shields up, red alert. Prepare for trailer addict. Okay, couple of trailers here. We're talking about uh, video game movies. Let's talk a little Tomb Raider. This is the reboot, right? The reboot, and what <laughs> is this movie? I can't tell if it's brilliant uh, or a bomb. What's I know. Yeah, on? good. I'm glad you said that too. I don't like that they go to an island, and I don't like that she meets the guy who then touches her face and goes, "Oh, I get it now." Such a beautiful daughter. I was fighting your father earlier. Now you're here to to fight me and stop shit that I'm doing on this remote island. It's like, what the hell? But then the action looks great. This is either going to be such a folly along the lines of Uwe Boll's films, or yeah. it's going to be a masterpiece like Dread. I can't tell which one, but it's going to be one of the either. It's not going to be in the middle. <laughs> I, I can tell you that. You don't think it's so. going to be in the middle? Um, I don't. I don't find. I don't it, think I don't it think could be in the middle. Yeah, it looks not too with stylized. that storyline and with uh, with the action. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell because with a movie like that, and then unless you're in it, you, you can't just see a couple of uh, frames here and there and say that it's going to be good or bad, right? I mean, it's kind of like uh, like any movie like this. Um, God, what was the Mark Wahlberg video game one that they made that was terrible? Max Payne. Max Payne. Yeah. Which looks fantastic as a trailer, really, when you if you take those moments out of it. But it's a fucking terrible movie, and the well, action like the scenes spirit. in that are fucking horrendous. Yeah. So this could be just uh, an all-out t- terrible fucking movie. But it could be. She looks good. Though. She, she looks good as Laura Croft. Although I'm gonna say, I like her. Uh, Jolie is is the original and the best. Yes, and she's still and Jolie. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you on that one. But she still looks good as Laura Croft. She looks like Laura Croft. I'm like, all right, I buy that. A bit wayfish for me, but uh, I'll take. I'll, I'll take you, it. You've seen Laura Croft, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, she's she has no muscles. Let's move on to talk about Maze Runner 3, which is the continuation of the trilogy that was set up back in 2014. Had a long delay between the second and third one for star Dylan O'Brien to recover from a terrible onset injury that caused him to suffer major facial yeah. uh, reconstruction and surgery and all that kind of stuff. It looks like this they're hiding a lot in this teaser, really, because it's, a, it's the franchise building. This is what's come before, and now you get this, and yeah. don't you want to know? Not much really to talk about here. I really liked the first Mace Runner. The second one, not so much. I don't know what I'm getting here. I don't know if I'm into it after all this time. His injury really <laughs> delayed this so long, a year and a half, uh-huh. that I hate to say that because I like the actor and I like the franchise, but I think 
the heat's gone from this. I mean, we've moved so far away from this kind of stuff, away from the divergent stuff and all those wannabes that were coming out, like the host and beautiful creatures and any young adult novel. Yeah. Stuff. You'd have to think that that definitely hurts this. Cause I agree with you on that. I'm still wanting to see the end of this. Um, I didn't mind the second one, but again, it wasn't, it was such a departure from the first that it's just like, this is not what I signed up for. You know, this is something totally now we're just cheesy, teen died you know whatever basically a hungry games rip off you know mm-hmm. just same old same old so yeah and this looks like more of this more of the second one um but still i'd like to see it to the end you know i've seen it this far but yeah i thought the first one was like a lost episode a good lost episode that got yeah that it was good it was interesting and it was something that made you want to learn um about the maze and stuff right but now they're not in the fucking maze yeah, so why are we still calling it Maze Runner? I'm yeah. not really sure. Now, let's talk about Wes Anderson's latest. This is the animated film Isle of Dogs, a futuristic animated film for adults featuring dogs. Why do I want to see this so bad? It looks <laughs> it looks brilliant, honestly. I can't wait to see this. Yeah, this looks like uh, – this just looks uh, just good. I don't know. It's exciting at times. It is I, – I think the, the animation on the dogs – is mesmerizing um you know the, the voice cast edward yeah, norton the voices fan all fan yeah well it's wes anderson so, so it's all the same group um it's his role players all yeah and they're all great actors um but it's just it, it looks like it has action it has heart um and yeah i just i really like the way the dogs look in this um and i like the way that they talk i don't it's weird to say that but you don't see a lot of stop motion animation um and it's rare to see some that actually looks good or at least has a good story to it. I should say most of it's fairly boring. Well, even the latest Pixar release, Coco or something yeah. along those lines, looks like the Book of the Dead uh, or yeah. Book of Life that came out a few years ago. And, and things like it's starting to all kind of resemble each other. This has an extremely distinctive look and is the story – has a little. I love that the guy's name's Atari Kobayashi and, and things. You know, mm-hmm. there's little little nods here to to pop culture, to other movies, to things going on within just the peripherals of what you're looking at. And I want to see this. I think this is going to be a talked about movie. But then again, I thought last year Charlie Kaufman's animated film, uh, the stop motion one with the the puppets, the marionette puppets, I guess. Uh, which I thought those were, I don't think I even saw that. I can't recall the name of it yeah. right now. I want to say it's on. Um, I remember something like it, that, but it, yeah, we, we watched the trailer on this episode on this uh, show, but it's on Amazon right now. I cannot recall the name of it at the moment, mm. but regardless, uh, it looks something along the lines of that. And I wonder if this is going to be up for not only best animated well, he's done film, this. but he's done best picture. Fantastic Mr. Fox and stuff, which is essentially the same thing as this, or animation wise. We talked last week a little bit about Darren Aronofsky, and I told you I, I really don't care for him outside of maybe Requiem and, and some here and there. But now you love I, him? <laughs> Animalisa is the one from last year, by the way. Animal, yeah. Yeah, that was the one from 2015. Technically, it came out. but uh, I. However, I think that Wes Anderson is a, is a filmmaker who initially started out. I thought I didn't like Bottle Rocket. I really didn't like Rushmore. Uh. But his filmography good. continues to grow on me, with the exception of mm-hmm. a Steve Zizou. Yeah, right. That one I didn't like so much. I really didn't like Fantastic Mr. Fox all that much. Um, I love the Budapest, though. Uh, the that Budapest was really is one of, really good, yeah. 
I was extremely impressed by that. And uh, obviously the Royal Tenenbaums and any you know, mm-hmm. other the good ones in his filmography. But more often than not, I'm willing to go down the strange rabbit hole that this guy takes me. Yeah, you do like to go down a lot of holes. So That's true. I'm a hole seeker. <laughs> Before we get Splunker. ourselves in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> We actually got a short show for you guys tonight. It's going to wrap up episode 326. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I'm Jason Rugard. We want to thank you guys for joining us on this great podcast. Look for our back podcast on TalkShoe and MovieMavericks.com. We are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to MovieMavericks.com, Warp 9. Engage! Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.